Hello, Tony G Nation. Out of another weekend into another week of Tony G show, studio, episodes, whatever this is. My brain's fried, Will. I'm telling you. We're at least this, at five. <laughs> yeah. <This laughs> five is episodes. The most rigorous semester I think I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is. There's just so much to do. It's never ending. My brain at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like seven o'clock when I'm done with homework, is just fried. Yeah. Like I can't pay attention to the football game. I can't. But yet, it's a good feeling, though. You feel like you've spent your well, exactly your energy wisely. But yeah, I mean, you know, you've done something with your day, being this college student or whatever. But regardless, I still have the best takes in sports talk podcast. Ooh, <laughs> okay, thanks the for best. the support. I'm just <laughs> yeah, no, yes, you I, do, Tony. I, we do got a uh, good episode. We're gonna fight through the grogginess and the fatigue to deliver you very good Tony G show today. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, before we get into this episode, Olivia DeClean will come out tomorrow, that interview. We look forward to that. Very good interview. She was great. And then the Thanksgiving episode next Tuesday as well. Jason Fonder is going to be around. That's going to be in studio, not over Zoom. So that'll be awesome. Can't wait to get Jason back on the the podcast. And then there's today's show. Very good episode. The 19th season, 19th episode of season seven. What an accomplishment. We're going to cross 20 episodes later on this week. Regardless, here is today's episode. We're going to preview the show. It's time to start respecting this one team from the NFL. And that is what's going to lead off our show today. It's time to start looking at them like they're one of the better teams in their conference and overall the league. I'm going to name that team in segment number one. Segment number two, going to do a Badgers sport analysis. Football played over the weekend. Badgers played last night, basketball. So I'm going to analyze what I saw how the football season will wrap up for the Badgers, and how the basketball season will unfold for, uh, again, the Badgers in college football and basketball. So that'll be the second segment. Third segment, Tony G's Picks of Week 10 recap. I think I've come down to earth. Mm -hmm. I came in. Reality check. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it was. Came in winning 12 of my last 13, starting to sing my own praise. And then this week kind of brought me back down to earth. So we'll recap that to end out the show. That is today's podcast. Moving forward. I'm ready to talk. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> wow. Gotta get out of here. Listen, it's my show. Yeah. All sure. right, that's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G's Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. Will McCormick, how was your weekend, pal? It was good. Yeah, got to see a good friend from out, out west this summer. He actually goes to school at uh, Fairfield out in, I think, Connecticut. But okay. yeah, it's good to see him. Got surprised with him and his girlfriend and... Spent it up in Sturgeon Bay, so it was fun. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. Shout sounds out to nice. Jared and Anna in case you guys are listening. Okay. So. Absolutely. Jared and Anna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to them. Jared and Anna. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being friends with Will. Mm-hmm. My weekend, not, not the Jazz. Oh, yeah. Thing. Okay. How's your weekend? Tell My me. weekend was very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, My bad. I announced two basketball games. Mm-hmm. I mentioned something about the Olivia DeClean interview on the broadcast as well. Mm-hmm. So I broadcast two basketball games Saturday. Sunday, Packer game. Yep. Oh, 
Great game. It was it not not just was it a fun game to beat too. It's always good when they win, but especially second half, mm-hmm. dark outside, starting to snow. Yep. it's cold. Everyone, you can see the the breath of everyone. It's just perfect. Classic Russell Wilson, just bl- like not blowing it, but well, it's just, classic Russell Wilson to just throw away a game and yeah. Lambo. Well, it's great. Defense played great. They've been playing really well mm-hmm. lately. Here's the thing: is that if I could encapsulate just like mm-hmm. five minutes of a of a Packer game to hold with me forever, it would be a Packer game where it's snowing, where it's dark out, where it's cold. You're wearing jackets. Everyone's clapping, and it sounds like gloves yes. smacking together. That is what it was like on Sunday. I always wear the. Perfect. I have like these really like big uh, deerskin gloves, and they get a little bit wet. And they're the loudest clapping gloves I own. Okay. And I just, I make sure the people in front of me, their ears are ringing. (laughs) Well, that's what it's about. And, you know, here's another thing before we get into it about the the one team we have to respect. There's an increasing growth within people who go to a Packer game and yell at people for standing. Yeah, I don't get that. What is that about? Friend of the show, Christian, he goes to the Packer game. Every time someone gets at him, we're standing because he stands a lot, but it's a Packer game. They're on defense. It's a big third down, first offensive drive. You're going to be standing. There's you know, situations. In the red zone in the five yard. Like, come on. There's situations where it's like, well, you can stand up or not watch. Yeah, basically, exactly. But like, if you're standing up on first and ten, balls in the twenty, you know, first play of the defensive drive, it's kind of like in like the mid second quarter. Yeah. I usually wouldn't stand for that. Right. I, I just you know, but like a third down or something. Yeah. If you want to stand up, stand up. It hasn't happened to me. Yet, I don't know that it will, but I do hear about that quite frequently. And it's like, you know, I paid tickets. I paid for these tickets too right. to watch this game to cheer on either the Packers or even the opposing team. I mean, you're going to be there to stand. I must admit, I think my my father has told people to sit down before, but I think it's been in situations where I'm like, yeah, that that's you know. Okay. Otherwise, I'd be like, can you like he's fine. See, you know? I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I can understand the situational, you know. I don't necessarily know which side I'm on for that. I'm usually more of a sitter until it's a big yeah. But I me don't. Too. I don't. You know, get on people for for standing. I get no. that's what they do. They paid for the ticket too. But either way, on like third and three. Yeah. And it's like you know they're driving. This could even either. Be, if we get a if if you know my team gets a sack here, it might take the opposing team out of field goal range or whatever. I'm gonna try to support the team. Come on now. I feel you know like, what I mean? Yeah, I feel like if you're going to a game and you can't stand up or refuse to stand up, then maybe you just shouldn't be exactly. there. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing is that, especially at Lambeau Field, most of the season ticket owners are older people, mm-hmm. you know, older than 20, 30-year-olds who are there with more energy, there to, you know, with a couple friends and are there to stand and cheer and holler. And so it's the older crowd that's more of the sitters and the, I want to watch the game, you know. So there's that clash. It's interesting to see how that develops. But, uh, oh, yeah, Tony G Show. We have somewhere to go with this episode, don't we? Uh, <laughs> no, that's not the first argument. <laughs> it's not. That is not the first dis- discussion, nor is it the second, nor is it even the third. That just kind of came out of nowhere. Not even on the dock, actually. It's not. Even for Thursday's episode, it is not there. So we'll get on track. Segment number one. It's time to start respecting this one team from the NFL. And it is time to respect the New England Patriots. And now you may be thinking, why is it time to respect the New England Patriots? Or you may be thinking, uh, I will not respect the New England Patriots because I'm tired of them winning, (laughs) which sounds like somebody in Tony G Studios right now. But regardless, this season, it's time to start recognizing the New England Patriots are a good team. It is something that I did not do towards the beginning of the year 
Started one and three. They were seven and nine last year, and after that one and three start, you're thinking this is a Patriots team that is probably going to finish at or below 500 again. Didn't look like they had the easiest schedule. You know, one of those three losses was the Tampa Bay game, where you're like, that's just not a game they're going to win. They play good teams, they're going to lose. At this point in the season, the New England Patriots are six and four, second in the AFC East. They just beat down Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, I just made the argument for just last week on the Tony G Show, saying it's not time to hop off the Baker train. So quickly, before we get into this New England Patriots discussion, that loss yesterday, 45-7 for the Browns to the Patriots, that wasn't Baker. That wasn't a Baker loss game. Mm-hmm. That was a, a just a beatdown from the New England Patriots. It was a full team thing. It wasn't like, oh, Baker played bad, and that's why they got absolutely hammered in that game. No, it was a whole team thing. That. Listen, that's Bill Belichick for you. I think after that game, I saw a stat where Bill Belichick is now 8-2 and two versus the Cleveland Browns. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, that's just his former team. That is his bread and butter. Bill Belichick beats the Cleveland Browns every time they play. And I will get to this in the end of the episode. I picked the Browns to go into New England and win. Mm-hmm. I now look at that and think, that was a dumb pick. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. That was just my bias towards, you know, having Baker Mayfield's back in the midst of everybody slamming Baker for Odell Beckham leaving Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So that was that was on me. Either way, that loss yesterday was a complete mark of who the New England Patriots are. I mean, that's just that's a game they win eight times out of ten, literally, 8-2 yeah. versus 80%. the Cleveland Browns for Bill Belichick. <laughs> Here's another stat that absolutely blew my mind, Will. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that for a fact. I said this, and I turned to a friend of the show, Christian, when I was doing this homework, because Tony G does his homework, and I said, I don't believe this. Do you know this stat? And I told it to him, and he was shocked, too. The New England Patriots are 134-8 and eight when scoring over 30 points under Bill Belichick. That's what you get when you have top 10 defenses. That's I what happens. Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. Right, and I understand this is like this is scoring 30 points, not allowing, but... Yeah, yep. But I mean, if, I, if you're top 10 defense and you're scoring over 30 points, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to win. And in this case, you're going to win 134 times out of over 140 games. Isn't that nuts? It is pretty nuts. Bill Belichick has been the coach in New England for over 20 years now, since 2000. And they've lost eight games in 20 years if they score over 30 points. Holy man. Right. That blew my mind. 134 wins in 20 years compared to eight losses when you score over 30 points. How many more times do you want me to say this? Speaks, I mean, speaks to the you know true difficulty it is to be a quarterback in New England. <laughs> Here we go. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I knew Patriots' first segment, and my mind, I'm thinking, Will McCormick is going to just slam no, the not, Tom Brady thing. That's no, all right. I'm, not, I'm here for it. I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I'm just talking about... Being a Just quarterback in, in New England. Okay. You it's think rough. it's the Josh McDaniels thing. And it's a rough go about. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a really we'll, tough position to be we'll, in. We'll get there. I'll let you speak your mind mm-hmm. once I once I dive into the whole Mac Jones thing. I'll let you speak your mind. Because, you know, I'm not opposed to that. No. People certainly, you know, it's not like you are one out of 50. You People certainly have your, your perspective as well. So I'll let, you, I'll let you speak your mind on that. Before we do, though, I want to mention, like I said, Patriots are a team you have to start respecting. They are a competitive team in the NFL now. 
Again, the one and three start after a seven and nine season last year. It's a team to start respecting. They're on a four-game win streak heading into Atlanta next week, who just got absolutely pounded by Dallas last Sunday. It was a it was a, a week of blowouts all over the place in the NFL with wins of over 30, 40 points all over the place. Seattle got shut out in Green Bay. It was a weird week scoring-wise. Again, heading into Atlanta next week, all foreseeable reasons tell me the Patriots are going to be on a five-game win streak after next week partakes. Tony G does his homework. You know that. So I found some more stats. Mac Jones, the quarterback, the rookie quarterback for the New England Patriots. He is just the seventh rookie quarterback in NFL history to win four straight games with a passer rating of over 100 in those four consecutive games. Only the seventh rookie quarterback. And he's on pace, and this has been talked about on all the national media platforms, so this isn't necessarily Tony G doing his homework, just sort of paying attention. Mac Jones is on pace to break the rookie record for completion percentage in a season. I think he's over like 68, 69%. It's 69% or something like that, close to 70. Uh, Dak Prescott, by the way, set that record. Regardless, the point here being is that Mac Jones having just a phenomenal season. Another stat I found, he is the first Patriots rookie with three passing touchdowns in a game since Drew Bledsoe did it in 1993, which means the only other rookie quarterback that there was to play was Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo, the season he took over after Brady tore his ACL, was a rookie. I could be wrong on that. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't think he was. I don't think he was either. I think he was there for quite some time. But the only other rookie to start games was Tom Brady since Drew Bledsoe in 1993, which is, of course, crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Point here being, Mac Jones is having a phenomenal season for a rookie. He's by far having the best season out of all the rookie quarterbacks in the National Football League. Better than Zach Wilson, who is, by the way, now injured. Mike White took over for him. Did you see what he did just last Sunday? Yeah. Four interceptions, two. <laughs> okay. Uh, Justin Fields, rookie, not having the best of seasons in Chicago. It's just the rookie effect. They're having tough years. Trevor Lawrence is having a very tough year in Jacksonville because uh, it's Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of reasons playing into why rookie quarterbacks are struggling so much. Mac Jones? Having a great time mm-hmm. in New England. He's starting to win some games. This is a team that's starting to look dangerous. They're now 6-4, and four, as I mentioned. Team that is dangerous, in, in my AFC opinion. East. Say that again? Team that is dangerous, in my opinion. Not looking. They are. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You're not wrong. It's time to start. And that's my argument. that It's time to start taking the Patriots seriously just because they started bad after a bad year last year. With Jones playing and this defense starting to pick it up, too. They're having a really good defense, and they do year after year. As you mentioned earlier, Will, I mean, it's just, this is a dangerous team on all facets of the ball. You look at the last two games, yeah, they got the huge 45-7 win over the Browns just last Sunday, but the week before, they beat the Panthers 24-6. to So in the last two weeks, they have outscored opponents, what is it, 60, come on, 69-13. to Right on, right on the money, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, sorry, I totally... I totally spaced on what you're asking there. My bad. Yeah, I didn't really I frame the like question. Stats. Either way, what is it? that's right, right? 45 plus 24 is 69. Yep. 7 plus 6 is 13. Yeah. 69 to 13. Quick maths. <laughs> yeah. I took one math class in college, and mm-hmm. I will never take one again. The, the point here being, Patriots are on a roll. All right, They're starting to crush teams. Another stat I found, defense, 14 interceptions this season, second most in the NFL. It's one of the best defenses in the league yet again. You take a look at some of the the 
the members of that defense, Devin McCourty, uh, Dante Hightower, Jalen Mills. I mean, there is talent all over the place, like there is year after year. This Patriots team is dangerous, man. I, I'm telling you, they're going to win the AFC North. Bill Belichick has his quarterback that he'd like to work with. Remember, Tom Brady left, and so we need to fill the, the void of Tom Brady. Who are we going to do it with? Cam Newton, someone who you can make the argument is starting to be washed. Um, not who he once was in Carolina. Not who, Of course, not who he once was in Auburn. So you get him that older quarterback, someone who doesn't necessarily fit the bill of a Patriots quarterback, somebody who is on the more quiet side, somebody who's not going to make a big headline. That's Mac Jones. Bill Belichick has his dream quarterback in Mac Jones, someone who's quiet, someone who's respectful, somebody who will show up and work hard and start to win some ball games, and that's what's happening in New England. Pretty sure we should rewind the tape if we can find it. Probably not. Pretty sure when we were talking about our draft special last season, went right when Mac Jones was drafted. And I'm pretty sure I said, watch this Belichick being, you know, he did like that whole scenario is like shaking his head at Mac Jones. And it was all a distraction for people to not pick him. Just oh. so he could get him. I'm pretty sure I said this in an episode. I could be wrong. But I think it was all a ploy for Mac Jones to fall right to New England. So you're saying that Bill Belichick, was, what was it, his he senior like, day or a combine or something like that, Bill Belichick was seen watching Mac Jones do some football drills for a quarterback, Yeah, shook his head at him like, this kid's not going to turn out to be much. So other people would tune into that attitude towards Mac Jones from Bill Belichick and go, well, if Bill Belichick doesn't like him, then we don't like him. Right. So we're going to go pick somebody else. Mac Jones then falls in the draft because of that. Two, just so happens to be, the New England Patriots, who were 7-9 to nine last year, they take him, and now they're starting to win some ballgames with him. I mean, all I'm saying is I'm pretty sure I said that last season. It's, and I'm not saying you didn't, but it sounds like the type of thing Bill Belichick mm-hmm. and the New England Patriots do. And they're just psychological warfare masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do the little things like that. Yep. Like, it could be wrong. I, I don't recall necessarily that happening, but it could have happened because it, it wouldn't phase me in the least. That is such a New England Patriots, Bill Belichick thing to do. Psychological warfare. It's like the guy, when, when someone scores a touchdown for the Patriots and he's just absolutely emotionless, <laughs> like he could care less. That, that's what it gives off. But on the inside, all the players say it about him. He's a good guy. He's soft-spoken, soft-hearted. He'll take care of you as a coach. He'll, he cares about his players. So he does these things for media, and he has done this ever since, you know, and I, I wasn't born necessarily at this time, or for sure not watching or covering sports, but back in the 90s when he was the coach of the Browns and then the Jets, and there was that whole fiasco there, and then he eventually came to New England. In watching his demeanor, it's part of the story, like the storyline of Bill Belichick's career that he likes to play with the media. He absolutely messes with them and does whatever he can to show off a tad of his personality, but just give nothing to the media because media takes anything they want. And here we are as podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> media takes anything they want and just runs with it mm-hmm. and makes a story out of it even back then. And Bill Belichick knew that. It's absolutely psychological warfare for Bill Belichick to watch rookie quarterbacks play, identify the one that he wants and the one that he can win with, and then do things in public that people see or watch, don't even necessarily ask him about, but just the things that people will see in him that make him think he's not interested. If he's not interested, the one of the best coaches in football history, if he's not interested in this quarterback, why should I be interested? I'll pass on him, let him fall. And it was a plan the whole time. That would absolutely sound like something Bill Belichick right. and the New England Patriots would do. The part that also impresses me with New England is that they've dealt with injuries. 
Chase Winovich, he's on IR. Dante Hightower is always questionable week to week. They have a bunch of players. I looked at their depth chart last night, and it was just a red Q next to a person's name. Red Q, red Q, red Q all over the place. So they're dealing with injuries too. It's not like they're the most healthy team in the world, and they're starting to beat teams that are unhealthy. They're unhealthy too, just like everybody is at this stage in the NFL. And they're still finding ways to win games, be competitive, and not just win games. I shouldn't even say it like that. I should phrase it like this. Starting to absolutely hammer teams in these football games. It's very impressive what the New England Patriots are starting to do. And I want to make the case, and I think I have sufficiently, and we can open it up for elaboration here. I think I've made the case that the New England Patriots are a scary, scary team. They're that team that year after year, granted back in the Tom Brady years, and he's no longer there, but they would get into the postseason on years where they wouldn't necessarily be the most, you know, you know the strongest, uh, well-built team, a lot of talent all over the place. They would get in and absolutely run the table year after year because they're the New England Patriots. And that's what they're going to do to conclude this season under Mac Jones, and that's what they're probably going to do into the playoffs. This isn't a team that you can just dismiss. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with the Buccaneers, who granted just lost to the Washington football team on Sunday. Again, it was a weird week in the NFL. But this is a New England team that you have to take seriously. I know I'd said before that they're starting to look scary. I'm kind of retracting that statement. Tony, their schedule's kind of a joke. All right. I have it up, too. The 25-6 to win uh, in their you know their first four games, they started out 1-4, 25-6 over the Jets. Congratulations on that victory. <laughs> um, losing to the Dolphins, I understand that's a close game, literally a one-point game. Um, the Saints is a that's a significant loss, like you said. The Buccaneers that was a close one, but again, it's still a loss. Yeah. End of the day, it's still a loss. And I'm just, I can see where they're going, and I can see that they're probably going to be a pretty good team, and they're definitely going to compete towards, you know, the division and in the playoffs, they're going to compete. Yeah. I just don't know where to gauge them right now because right now their defense is ranked number two in the NFL at to this point, which is a big deal. That's huge. Yeah. Yep. I do have to. Clarify too. I said started one and three. It is actually one and four. You're correct. I did get Sorry. that statistic wrong. Yeah, you're good. I, I think you said one and four. I either, either way, point being is that yeah. they weren't off to the, to the best start to the season. Right. And it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Exactly. They and, really and, started to pick up their play. And that's what I, I guess I'm, I'm echoing that point exactly. Like they're starting to, to play better and starting to win these games that they should. But, you know, the other side of that argument is that their schedule is not the hardest the schedule coming up or the schedule that they have they, already that, what they've played so far and honestly like the the falcons if they don't win that game that, that should that, that should be a gimme the titans and the bills that will not be an easy those are those are two i wouldn't even dispel the colts coming up after that too no but i would say the titans and the bills are the two best teams they'll play for yeah, the rest of the season i would agree definitely the titans is going to be a tough one but that's in new england so that'll be easier they have two against the bills left and i think that'll really be the telltale games mm-hmm. of who the New England Patriots are. Oh, yeah, for sure. if they go one and one there, then you're thinking they can still beat the Bills, mm-hmm. which means they can beat good teams around the NFL. If they beat the Titans, look out. This and, is a team that you absolutely have to watch. Yeah, because then they have, so like we said, you have Falcons coming up, which should be a win. Yeah. You know, Titans and Bills, those two games uh, following the Falcons game, that's going to be, you know, those are tough. Yep. Colts, that's not going to be a hammy game either. That's not going to be an yeah. easy one. But, I wouldn't discredit But I would Colts. think... At this point, the Patriots are the better team, so that should be a win. Again, then they play the Bills next. That's going to be a tough one. And then they have two wins to end the season on with, with <laughs> the Jaguars and, and, and Dolphins, although they did lose to the Dolphins to start out the season. And that was at home. And so, this time they're going to go on the road to Miami. All I'm saying is I, I, I don't know. 
Okay. They, they're so, a good team, but I feel like the playoffs is where we're going to really find out how good they are. So I let's say they lose to the Titans, mm-hmm. lose to the Bills once, beat the Bills once, beat the Colts, and then, of course, they're going to beat Jaguars, Dolphins, Falcons. So you're looking at two more losses. That brings their record to six to, what, 11 and six? Because mm-hmm. it's the 17-game season. So now you're looking at 11 wins. Probably depends on what the Bills do. I mean, they're right. second to the Bills. Bills are six and three. Pats are six and four. So let's say the Patriots have 11 wins. Let's say the Bills have 10. Then they just won the division. Even mm-hmm. not, even if they don't, though, 11 wins is good enough to get into the postseason yeah. in a year when everybody from the AFC is having a tough goal. Besides the Titans, who are eight and two, everybody is. Six and four, five and four, six and three, five and three, five and four, five and five, and then you got and the lower tier two and seven. One yeah, and, and I, I think I said, but I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they're a good. I definitely team. think the Patriots will make it. I, mostly because with a schedule like this, they should make it into the playoffs. Sure. That being said, they are ranked number two as a defense. You know, you can't deny that. That's good this point in the year. season. Yeah, they're good. You cannot deny their defense right now. I'm kind of questioning their schedule, but. The stats are the stats. You know, that's where they're sitting right now. They're number two. That's where they are. So we'll see how this rest of the season plays out. I'm kind of curious because they could be a really dangerous team or they could be, you know, the team from last year just a little bit better. Mac Jones, rookie of the year candidate? He's got to be. Maybe. He's looking at breaking some stats here that Maybe. are worth mentioning. That's certainly not out of the question. I I really don't know who else I'd, you'd give that to. Well, I mean, there's a few names, but Mac Jones is definitely closing the gap. Uh, a lot of people are making the, well, I was going to say uh, Micah Parsons out of Dallas. You know, yeah. The, yeah, he's having a great year. Of course he is. You know, I, I was thinking about saying this or that. I think I'm just going to hold off. It's probably going to come down to the music. I mean, right. one's offense, one's defense. So you can't. Yeah, I can't really say yet. I, I, there hasn't been anybody that's jumped out yet. And both of these teams are having good years, too, so they're right. both impactful to their teams, Mac Jones and Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons is really just so impactful for Dallas having this type of year. I mean, you see it week after week. He has instincts. He has speed. He has closing ability. And not to mention, he hits hard. <laughs> okay, He's very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would split Will McCormick in two. If Will McCormick got the ball out of out of the backfield, that's if you could catch me. <laughs> <laughs> I love the confidence from Will. Point being, there's a lot of talent. I would go. I'd go Mac Jones. I would because when you think of the trajectory of these types of awards, they're offensive related. Quarterbacks always have mm-hmm. first priorities to yeah. these awards. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm saying that's the way it is. It's just how it is. Quarterbacks have first rights to these types of awards. And with a second-ranked defense, it only gets easier for him. So he really should. Yeah. He really should. The numbers he's putting up this year are incredible for a rookie, especially in a year. I think another argument for this case for Mac Jones being rookie of the year is that look at the year that every other rookie in the league is having. Bananas! How much better Mac Jones is compared to Justin Fields, compared to Trevor Lawrence, compared to Zach Wilson. I think that only makes the case for Mac Jones being Rookie of the Year this year. Especially if we're talking QB only level. That's definitely the case. Absolutely. So there's the argument. I think we made a good one too. Patriots, don't take them lightly. 
We'll see how I the did, rest of the season plays out. I did the start of one and four. I took them lightly. Coming after a year where they were not, seven and nine, I you know I I didn't buy into them. In my picks of the week, I always went against them whenever I had them. I never really bought into them as this good team. That went on Sunday against a Browns team that I don't think is bad. I'm not I'm not here to rip on Baker Mayfield. If anything, I'm on his side as I made that argument last week. Still, even after that game, Patriots had that emphatic win coming. Like like we did the quick math because we're so good at it. <laughs> 69 to 13 is what they're outscoring the last two opponents by. So they're red hot. Mm-hmm. Patriots are a good team. I don't want to I don't want to necessarily go really good team. I don't think they're going to you know that Titans game is going to be tough for them. They win that Titans game and they take one of two against the Bills, then I'd say they're a really good team. Yeah. They but, I think they need to they need to win their must-win games obviously. Yeah. Of course. Losing to the Dolphins is, I mean, they should have had that win start the season. They should have. A one-point loss is tough. And I know we talked about you don't get those moral victories because yeah. on the paper, that is a loss for them. And Mac Jones' first game of his career, too. So so they have to win against the Falcons. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They have Jaguars. to Jaguars. They have to. And same with the Dolphins again to finish out. Yeah. It's a must. So let's, you know, if they if they do that. I think that this is a really good team. Like I said, if they beat the Titans, take one of two against the Bills, look out. Because the Patriots are not to be messed with. The Patriots will win the division, and then they're going to roll deep into the playoffs. So don't discount the New England Patriots. Moving from New England, back to our market in Wisconsin. An analysis of Badgers athletics from the weekend. I have one name that I would like to mention. And he is an absolute man Amongst boys, <laughs> even though his age tells him he's not. Mm-hmm. By societal standards, I guess, right? Sure, yeah. Either way, <laughs> the football team for the Wisconsin Badgers got a 35-7 win over Northwestern just last week. They're starting to really make their case for the Big Ten, and they are, I have it here on my sheet, 7-3 and three overall, 5-2 and two in conference play, their first in the Big Ten West, if they went out there looking at another Big Ten championship game, you play against Ohio State, there's probably not a chance you win that game. Either way, this is a Badgers team who's, who's been battle-tested. They're three overall losses, two fairly good teams, the Michigans, you know, the Notre Dame in that game. So you can't fault them. Of course, they're not going to be a playoff team. I'm not making the case for them to be like a top-20 team. Right. But Actually, regardless... They are. They I are right they're like, now. They're but 19. Yeah. They're on the they're on the cusp. But they're ranked 19 because the, the rest of college football is just having a wild right. Game. Regardless whether they are top 20 or not top 20, football with that big 35-7 win really exposed to me one individual, and it's a guy who's had a great season all year long. But this game only cemented how good he really is to me. One Mister Braylon Allen, a man amongst boys. Here's the thing, Will. He's actually not a man. He's 17 years old. Which is crazy. He's not an adult male He's yet. four years younger than you and I. Wow. <laughs> Why'd you have to say that now? You feel old? Yeah, I do. I'll be, what, 32 when Bryce Harper's contract is up? Yep. Listen. I can't fathom that. <laughs> He's 17 years old. He went through high school early, so, I mean, this is more than... Uh, legal and it's right. he's well within his rights to be playing college football at this age and being in college. He has his 
high school diploma, and he did everything he had to do to be at this position at this age. This is nuts to mm-hmm. me. Big Ten Player of the Week last week, 173 yards, three touchdowns on 25 carries and one catch. This season averaging seven yards per carry. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why would you not hand it off to him? Oh, my goodness. I can't. I can't even fathom how good this kid is playing right now. Kid, and I emphasize kid, 17 years old. Which is a, a compliment. <laughs> We're not saying kid it is a character. Yeah, I'm not We're saying this kid age. is like, yeah. I, I mean, he's barely old enough to drive, and he's out here running grown men over on a football <laughs> field. Nuts to me. Just absolutely nuts. The style of running that he reminds me of, he's this downhill, hard-nosed type of runner, almost like an A.J. Dillon type running mm-hmm. back. Almost like a school bus type running back. And by that, I mean Jerome Bettis. Just very, very low center of gravity. Yeah. Hard yeah. to knock off their feet. You really have to take, you sweep their feet from underneath. You, you have to go at their feet, essentially. You can't, shoulder level tackles aren't going to work. No, absolutely. Shoestring tackles, they're not going to do the job. No. You're going to have to go at this man with two defenders. Here's the one comparison I really want to make, Will. And I think you'll like this one. He is like Derrick Henry. Here's why I say this. Derrick Henry is 6'3", 238. Mm-hmm. Braylon Allen, 6'2", 238. And that's Same that's... amount of weight with an inch lower. He's got more muscle, more muscle mass than right. Derrick Henry. And that's that's at 17. <laughs> at 17 years old. That's not even at peak performance. This kid's a true freshman. Will. Literally. He's still got years to go. He's got an off-season of work to put in for the D1 program of Wisconsin football. <laughs> like, <laughs> What? I can't, and again, this this guy has mentioned has made uh, the show and mentions the last three episodes. I think Corey Shashelchik. I talked to him, good friend around campus. He loves Braylon Allen, and he said, "Hey, keep an eye out when I see him on campus." Uh, a faculty member here at Saint Norbert College, he'll tell me, "Hey, keep an eye out for Braylon Allen." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, okay." Watching some of these games, oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy is, I, he is nuts. So let me ask you, and I know, I know this is not the direction you want to go, but I think That's it's something okay. that needs to be said. Where does this put him in his draft stock? Oh, my gosh. He's got to be so high. See, here's the thing. If he stays healthy. that's I'm saying barring injury. Yeah. Barring injury. Man, does he look good. Yeah, this is a top 10 running back. Top five, even. If he continues on this pace, I mean, he is mean. This isn't like Monte Ball. This isn't Melvin Gordon where they all had their nuances and there was a good offensive line that – they would find I mean, gaps and just burst through. This isn't Jonathan Taylor where he was good in the passing game. I Braylon Allen, once he develops that Jonathan Taylor in the passing game, look out. This kid's well, stock is going to skyrocket. First rounder for sure. Yeah, I don't think you can discount the O-line, though. Totally. Yeah, of course. And their play last year in the 2020 COVID year wasn't impressive to me at all. This year there was a rocky start. I, I felt Graham Mertz, the young quarterback, was getting pressured a lot. Once Allen really started to... Submit himself as the number one running back in this in this team in this in this offense. Look out, man! If he continues with games like this, continues to get better and stays healthy at this age, will he's going to be ready to get drafted at like nineteen years old? If not younger, maybe. Maybe. Not really sure when his birthday is, but well, it, see, that's the point though. Is he'll probably spend like he could go get drafted. Not now. I, not now. I'm not no. making that argument now. He could go get drafted in the first round if he puts together a very good rest of this year mm-hmm. and a good next year. Yeah. See you later. Go get signed. Go. I tell him as a coach, 
get the heck out of here. Be like uh, Kenny Clark getting signed at, uh, or I believe drafted at the age of 19. Yeah. If that happens, that's not that's not unimaginable. No. No, it really isn't. I mean, there are certainly a lot of players that do it and make it. I mean, Zion, I know this is a, not a football re- uh, reference, but, I mean, he's pretty young, you yeah. know, for his age. So well, it's, it's, yeah. it's young for his age. Young for you know, the level he's at. Well, the, the, when he got drafted, he was very young. Right. Um, so, I mean, at his, he's only going to go up from here barring injury, and I don't want to jinx it, so I'm going to make sure that I <laughs> so say barring injury. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing that I also want to mention now. Wisconsin Badgers defense, once again, one of the best defenses in college football. If you remember back from this discussion when I blasted Badger football after the loss to Notre Dame, I brought up how they were like bottom five in the FBS in offensive statistics, and then I said how they were top five in defensive statistics. And they started to balance out. Graham Mertz has had some games under his belt now. This is a really, really good defense. Again, under Jim Leonard, this is just an absolutely hard-nosed Wisconsin defense. Really starting to grow in potential and grow in stock on this defense. Holy cow, man. If Graham Mertz had two more years of experience, right, and he was if he honed his craft more, this is a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. This is a top ten team who I think beats a Michigan, who I think could beat Notre Dame. I mean, this team as it was almost took Notre Dame to the wire. It got to that fourth quarter, second half. Then Notre Dame really started to pull away, and the final score was what it was. I'm not discounting that. But if you give Graham Mertz more time to grow Braylon Allen more time to grow this defense more time to continue to scout and grow in strength and stature look out man this could be a potentially really good team and this is coming the same season in the Tony G show and in college football where just a few weeks ago maybe over a month I absolutely hammered Badger football you did I I absolutely did we both did I don't regret it at all I think I was well within my rights to discuss that Mm mm-hmm but from one Badger team with an impressive showing and an impressive young Braylon Allen. Holy cow, is this kid bright future, strong, scrappy. Man, look out for Braylon Allen. From one Badger team to the other. Wisconsin basketball suffered its first loss of the season yesterday. They're now 2-1, and one, a 63-58 loss t- uh, to Providence. They're hosting that at home. Can't expect to win them all. That game, there was a lot to work on, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Don't forget, Johnny Davis is injured, so that was a huge factor. They just struggled. They terrible defending the post. I mean, they absolutely got hammered inside. Under the basket, there was absolutely no interior defense. I mean, it looked like Will McCormick trying to guard Connor Curtis. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, can you imagine trying to guard Connor Curtis, the former... Big no. man of St. Norbert College basketball down inside. Uh, no. I retired after JV, so. <laughs> <laughs> Will McGormick's career did not take off like he thought it was. Is that nope. what you're saying? Reference that I'm making is they were just outmatched. Mm-hmm. They didn't look big. They didn't look strong underneath the rim. It's something that, as a basketball team at this level, you absolutely have to hone into. If you're not going to shoot lights out, you have Which- to be good under the basket. Which they did not shoot lights out. They did not shoot lights out. That's correct, Will. You know what they shot? 5 of 27 from three-point range in that game yesterday. The loss to Providence. 5 of 27. 
All right, seriously, that's like me in intramural basketball. I mean, if you're not going to shoot lights out, you have to get big under the basket. They right. were none yesterday, and yet, maybe this is the silver lining, they only lost by five points. That's they were able to compete. Mid-range game wasn't the worst, but if you're not going to guard, I mean, you gotta you got to have one. you got to have one of those two as a strong suit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you're competing and you're missing 22 free throw, or not free throw, 22 three-point shots, yeah. and you're still competing, like, that's just a bad day. That's it. It is, and you know, an and, and off day that probably you can't foresee happening. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's too early in the season to say to really gauge like if this is going to be a consistent problem for them or not. So you can just go with the with the camp that this is just a bad game. Yeah, I mean, they make two more free th- uh, not free throws. Why am I saying free throws? I don't know why you keep doing that. <laughs> they they make two more three pointers. They yeah. win that game. I I said at one point, again, friend of the show, Christian was watching that game with him. I said at one point, yes, I said, Brad Davison's still on this team. <laughs> he seems like he's like 28 years old. I mean, he seems like he's been here forever, but he's here for that fifth year, and he's going to, you know, he's the leader of this team. He's the wily veteran of this team. He's still sticking around, and he's still producing at a high clip. So with players like him, Johnny Davis, once he gets back fully healthy, this is going to be a good team. I don't necessarily think that this is going to be a team that's going to win an innate amount of games to the point where they're going to be a top 25 team. I don't know if they're, they might clip their way into it like they do every year for a week or two, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a couple tough games. They have Ohio state coming up on the 11th next month in Ohio state. Easy. Win. That to me is the true tell <laughs> easy one. That to me is the true tale sign of if this badges basketball team is for real or not. If you go into Ohio state and win Ohio state's ranked number 19 as of right now, that's a good win. If you win that game, hey, now you're for real. It's like the definition of I'm not mad, just disappointed, because it would have <laughs> been a good win. Yeah, but you are right. Badgers basketball after today plays next Monday. They host Texas A&M. That'll be a good game. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to watching that one. Former uh, Texas A&M Aggie Chris Middleton. Yeah. I don't know where he'll be. I didn't sync up the schedule with Bucks basketball, but I can't <laughs> imagine he'd be. he wouldn't be there if he could. Uh, Georgia Tech, they head to Georgia Tech on the first. Host Marquette. The annual Wisconsin-Marquette game that takes place every year, that'll be the fourth this year. And then Indiana, a team that always gives them trouble, will come here to Wisconsin and play at uh, the Kohl Center, play the Badgers at home. That'll be a good game, too. That's a telltale game. And then they'll head to Ohio State for that game that I mentioned. So it'll be an interesting year this year for Badgers basketball. Yeah, pretty early. Pretty early. (laughs) Pretty early to tell. Like I said, you really have to pick one or the other. Are you going to be good interior? Are you going to be a good perimeter team? You were none yesterday, and you lost. Again, only by five points, though. So it leads me to ask. Ask. Tony, how were you last week? <laughs> That's, I think, the best segue that you have had in five seasons of the Tony G Show. This is the season, seventh season. That was the best segue. I will take Thank it and run with it, Will. How was I last week, you ask? Uh, not not as good as I was before. <laughs> Came in winning 12 of 13, a 26 and 21 record. Not to mention, I was three wins away from win number 197 and 67 overall. Thursday night football, Ravens, Dolphins. What the heck happened here? <laughs> I said Ravens in a blowout. You said it on the podcast, and I'm not mad at you for saying I don't. I'm not saying you're jinxed or anything like that, but I'm just saying I thought it along with you. This is an easy one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely get this first one out of the way on Thursday and continue my hot streak. 
Ravens 38-7. I said they're going to get the win in Miami over the Dolphins. Dolphins win 22-10 <laughs> over the Ravens. I mean, what? Not even a close one. That's It wasn't. The Ravens had a chance to score late, and they didn't even take that to window dress. I mean, what the heck happened? I told you in picking this game, the Dolphins have been outscored 137-16 to in the last three games versus Baltimore. What happened? How can I? <laughs> we should have a discussion about that. I want to talk about the Ravens team sometime. Cause okay. It's, they're an interesting case study because they're one team one week, and then they're a completely different team Exactly. Saints, five. remember, I did the two noon games. I didn't like the afternoon games, so I yeah. did two noon games. I probably did it to myself. Saints, 5-3 and three at Titans, 7-2. and two. Said Titans are going to get the win, 24-14. They got the win, 23-21 in a close one. Browns, Patriots. <laughs> Okay, this is the game that I probably didn't need to pick. I probably should have been better about. I can't be mad like I was with the Ravens-Dolphins game. This one was completely on me and nobody else. Browns 5-4 and four, heading to New England 5-4. and four. I said, uh, I'm all in on Baker. I'm going to go Browns. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> was I just brutally wrong. Bill Belichick's now an extended amount of – I mean – Ridiculous. Eight, eight wins against the, the Cleveland Browns in the last couple of years. I mean, to be fair, I think if you would have gone against, you know, the Baker and the Browns after you just went and praised them, it would have been a little, like... Yeah, I was just saving my... But, I, you know... Yeah. I don't know. I think, I they could be the separated. Case. Patriots got the win 45-7. I'm now 1-2. Tony G's picks of the week. Heading into Sunday Night Football. Chiefs 5-4. and four, Raiders 5-3. and three. I said Chiefs going to get the win in an ugly one, 21-16. They got the win in a blowout, 41-14. Raiders look bad. What and a you know, shame. They it started was, this year great, yeah. and then they just had... Issue after issue after issue come up. Chiefs did get the win. I'm now two and two. Maybe I can end it on a high note. Monday Night Football. Rams seven and two heading into San Francisco to play the 49ers, who sucked at home this year. Zero and four. Haven't won since 2019 in San Francisco. I said Rams going to get the win in a strong showing. 35-18. What's happened to the Rams? 49ers the win. 31 and 10, knocking me to two and three in Tony G's picks of the week, bringing me back down to earth. I'm now 28 and 24 this season. Coming in, bragging on a hot streak. I'm three wins away from 100 in my career. I'm now 99 and 70. Fall one win short. Next win will be 100. And I know we talked, I think pre-show about just Stafford. I mean, I I think last episode even I was saying he could be MVP. And I honestly think after last night and the week before that, where I think he threw one touchdown and two picks and then followed it up with a touchdown and two picks the next game, I think he's out MVP-wise. I think so too. I don't know what's happened to the Rams. They've completely fallen off the face of the earth. Which they really shouldn't. I mean, on paper, they've gotten better from the last couple weeks picking up uh, Von Miller and OBJ. I mean, Well, you know, you host man. the Titans last week, and I picked that on Tony G's picks of the week. I said 31-7 Rams are going to get the win. They lost 28-16, and that it was 28-9. They didn't score a touchdown until garbage time, window dressing for the Rams in that game at home. Then they come out today, head on the road, just up the state of California to San Francisco and get blown out again. What's happening there? I mean, this is a team that started on such a high note. Sean McVay now has a, a quarterback that is not Jared Goff, and he has Matthew Stafford. They're, they've added talent left and right, not to mention the recent pickup of OBJ. What the heck's happened in Los Angeles? How have they stopped winning games? I don't I, think they're a bad team. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah, something tells me that just the vibe of the Los Angeles Rams is that you've had these two games that, you know, 
they aren't. It's not like you went into Jacksonville and lost. Yeah. You went into some tough environments mm-hmm. uh, or environment not in San games. Francisco. But you know, I think it's something they'll they'll pick up and move forward with. Nonetheless, I pick myself up off the ground after falling from the graces, and a two and three week, twenty eight and twenty four new batch of Tony G's picks of the week coming out Thursday. Quick note about next Tuesday's Thanksgiving episode. I'll do Tony G's Picks of the Week. Just one episode. There's no Thursday Thanksgiving episode. I'll do Tony G's Picks of the Week on that Tuesday with Will McCormick and Jason Fonder in studio. I'll give you guys a say as well. But we'll cool. recap when we come back from Thanksgiving break. So Sounds good. That is uh, how Tony G Picks of the Week will work with the Thanksgiving episode next week. That'll do it for this episode. Really good episode. Um, besides Will McCormick having to stop his microphone because... Tony G Studio, the maintenance crew here, just decides to start vacuuming in the middle of a recording. But nonetheless, (laughs) we fight through adversity and bring you a very good episode. Very happy with this episode. And let us know what you think, as always, at Willis5312 on Twitter, at Tony G Nation on Twitter. Any final words, Will? No. Ready for – I'm excited for the Thanksgiving show. That'll be fun. I am, too. That'll be a very good episode. That Thanksgiving episode will be episode number 21. Perfect. 19 episodes in the book of the Tony G Show. We are cruising right along. We're starting to bring this season to a close. Season 7 is almost over. It's crazy. Yep, the Tony G Show interviews will continue. Uh, Olivia DeClean will be released tomorrow. So, until next time, Tony G Nation, thanks for tuning in. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Thanks for listening to the Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 